You know they want staring point, you know we straight to the point Boy Chris with assist, fast breaks like a joint splitting half Boy J with the J, we throwing heat, no gas, that's a touchdown pass You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say Now they hardly can guard me like Dirk fade away You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say Yeah, you know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the straight to the point 76 bringing us in episode number 105 up straight to the point. My name is Chris. Here are my guy, J-Dub. What's going on? Yo, and some people sitting here talking about how I was on vacation last week. That's I was not. You was on I was country. not on vacation last week. Chris was starting his own cartel. Anyway, we're back this week. We're going to talk about all the, the news, the notes, the moves of the NBA. Jared, I know this is your second favorite time of the year right after the draft. Yes. So let's talk about some moves. Namely, the biggest domino to fall so far, in my opinion, John Wall to the Clippers. Jared, I didn't really see this one coming. Talk to me about this move and, and how it impacts not only the Clippers, but how it can revitalize John Wall's career. Man, I think I've been talking to you about John Wall for the Clippers for like months now. And I was telling you that man, back in the trade deal, and I was like, I can see the Clippers getting John Wall. You know, because I'm like, when you look at what John Wall, I guess we can use the words going through with the Rockets. He was willing to play, but not as a backup. He was making close to last season, it was $45 million. This season would have been 47 if he opted in. But he wants to play basketball, and he doesn't want to be a backup, and the Rockets are in a rebuild. It's a very hard rebuild. So when you have a hard rebuild, you don't want to play a guy that is potentially an all-star caliber player if he comes back. We've seen that. When he did play with the Rockets that one year that they thought they were going to make the tandem of him and Harden work out with DeMarcus Cousins and Christian Wood, he was giving you about, I would say, 18 and 10, maybe 20 and 10, actually, or close to in those, like, 30 games, 40 games that he played. So it shows that he has the potential. He's still a very good facilitator. Shooting is, isn't his best strong suit, and now he's getting older. It's probably only going to decline, if not just stay where it's at. But you add him to a Clippers team that's loaded. They have shooters. They already have two star caliber players and one MVP caliber player in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you add John Wall, who's now the ball handle facilitator, which is a better upgrade, in my opinion, of Reggie Jackson, because I think Reggie Jackson is a straight scoring guard. Reggie Jackson did so much last season under Tyloo. His, his game elevated under Tyloo, but it was still elevated to the extent where he was a scoring guard. Like, Paul George became, like, the de facto, when Chargers came back, or even when he was starting before he got hurt again, Paul George was kind of the de facto facilitator where he was coming in and they, they're calling Paul George at the MVP level because he was giving you 25 a night with like six and a half assists. Remember, because like four rebounds, but that was like the highest assist rate Paul George ever had in his career. And that was because other guys had the other guys were scorers and they needed somebody that could really set the offense and set the tone for them. Now you bring in John Wall. He does that. John Wall doesn't need to give you 18 points a game. He can give you and you're going to be able, now that he's taking less money, you're fine with it, but he can give you 15 and eight a night, maybe even a little bit less because you're not paying him 47 million. You're paying him, I, I believe they're probably going to pay him maybe the mid level exemption type of money, give him 10, 12 million because he already got his buyout money, maybe a little bit less. And that's fine. You're going to get that production from John. Wall. He's going to set up your offense. He's going to let Paul George and Kawhi eat. And when they sit, he's then going to either play around with Reggie Jackson and whether Reggie's going to come in, Dwight. Uh, Norman Powell is going to come in. They still have Robert Covington and Marcus Morris. They might bring back Nicholas Batum, who can already, that roster is so deep. Right now, if you just say, just talk about roster strength, the Clippers have the best roster in the NBA. And that's a very, that's a very bold statement. 
because you wouldn't necessarily think that the Clippers um, have the best roster in the NBA, considering you just have a team like the Warriors who just won the title and the you know Boston just come out the East. But if you look around at their roster, like you mentioned, these names of Reggie Jackson and Robert Covington and Norman Powell, the possibility of bringing back Nicholas Batum, you have Zubak, you have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Like that's a very deep team. And you add John Wall, who's who you hold John Wall in a little bit more higher regard currently than I do. I don't know what you're going to get. I don't even know if you're going to get 15 to 8. We don't know. He's not played in pretty much three years consistently. Um, you know, you can argue that when he, you know, he played for Houston, they really didn't do anything. Um he looked kind of like a, a shell of his former self. So just to heap all these expectations on a guy and a team that, for the most part, can't stay healthy. Somebody's always hurt. The Kawhi's hurt and Paul George is hurt, or they're both hurt. Or, you know, now you add in Wall, who's been consistently hurt. I just, I just want to say pump the brakes on the Clippers' victory tour. You know, like, I think we need to kind of put things in perspective, see how things shake. Because moves are not done being made, you know. Like, you can argue the Clippers have one of the best talented rosters in the league. You can argue they have the best coach in the league. But the thing that hinders them at all times is this inability to stay healthy. You know, they they had a run. You know, Kawhi tears his ACL when they're making their playoff run. Some people argue they would have beat Phoenix. You know, we don't know because he was hurt. Uh, Paul George gets hurt. I, I mentioned Wall. So there's there's a a, a trepidation I think we need to have when we're talking about the Clippers and forecasting their success and giving them a, a, a parade, you know, so early into, you know, some late in the June, so early into July, into the offseason. Jared, I know a move that we kind of speculated, kind of threw it around uh, a couple episodes ago. DeJounte Murray gets traded for Danilo Gallinari and three first round picks as the Spurs decide to really tank. So, Jared, you called this an act of war against the Philadelphia 76ers. Explain that tweet for us. An act of war. Um, listen, I'll let the Spurs situation aside because we know why they really did this, to get Victor Webanyema, the potential unicorn of the draft next season. Who knows if that's going to be the case? I kind of hate using that word because, you know, unicorn means that they're supposed to be the LeBron or the KDs of the world, but we don't know how he's going to be it, but he's a very good a player and athlete. This trade, though, you put DeJounte Murray, a 6'7 point guard, facilitating guard, but a very good defender, next to Trey Young, who's another ball handling guard, but Trey Young could also play off ball because he has that stellar shooting from anywhere on the court. Like, this is from deep. And then you're now pairing those two together. He's basically going to be replacing Kevin Herter, which I think is a souped-up upgrade as is. You've kept John Collins. You've kept Bogdanovich off your bench. You've kept Kim Capella. You've kept DeAndre Hunter. You've kept Lou Will if he decides to like come back, which I believe he will. You've kept DeLon Wright. They've kept that roster, and all they've got rid of was three unprotected first, which, again, they're not going to be the, the most fanciest of picks knowing that this team should be better going into these next three drafts, three seasons. But it's – you basically – they fleeced the Spurs, in my opinion, just a little bit because I think you could have got more for DeJounte Murray. I think DeJounte Murray was worth more than a Gallinari. The picks, I think he's worth, but the, the Gallinari aspect, I know he had to make the money work. I think he was worth a little bit more than that. Because when you look at now, 
how the Hawks have kind of shaped up as this rival against the Sixers. It all stemmed from the fact that then when they beat us, Ben Simmons decided not to dunk the basketball. Earlier that season, Embiid dunked on Collins. Collins then dunked on Embiid. Back and forth were going. And it was a very good series. And then it kind of dwelled into this season a little bit where now Hawks and Sixers fans are going at it, talking about some, well, look where you guys are at playing the Heat. We then played the Heat, and the Heat beat us. Like, well, y'all back home with us. And it's like this small rivalry started to stem between Hawks and Sixers because it's not going to be Sixers and Celtics. Celtics have been giving us work for years. Same with the Hawks. So it's like this small rivalry kind of stemmed out of nowhere. And then they make a trade like this. And right now the Hawks are another team that's competing with the Sixers to be a top four or five spot, maybe even a three spot, depending on how the net situation shakes up. But you know, the other team that's really shaking up right now and bringing in a DeJounte Murray, who's a very good defender, could play on against the Tyrese Maxey because, you know, the Sixers are going to be running the James Harden Maxey duo as the starters. That's like, this is really a, a nice little way they're saying, yo, we're coming at you guys. We're not done. We're going, they had a down year last year, like, yeah, now we're going to be building on it. And I know that for future reference, John Collins is probably going to be getting traded from the Hawks. I know they're trying to release some cap and I know I think he's still disgruntled with his situation going on with the Hawks team. I know he signed his extension to help them. He get one to get his money, but also help them kind of move him later on. So I think he's going to be moved in this offseason. But the fact that they were still able to make this trade and still keep him without having him go to the Spurs, I think is a phenomenal deal done. Because Johnson Murray is a very good player. I mean, dude is literally putting up, I think he was one of four point guards this season, including James Harden and Trey Young, that averaged 20 and 10 as a point guard. And then he was also giving you about nine rebounds a game. This guy next to Trey Young is a better, I believe, backcourt fit when we had the whole Donovan Mitchell to the Hawks rumors because he really is going to help alleviate some of the pressure off Young to be a ball handler, but also the fact that he's a very better defender than the the other two guys they had. And Trey Young needs – when you're playing a a guy like Trey Young who's a small guard, you need as many good defenders on the court as you can because there are going to be times where you need him to come hedge out and help out because they're going to try and isolate training like they do Steph Curry, like they did Isaiah Thomas. They're going to try and isolate him. And unless guy, you have guys that are mobile and that can go help out, you're, he's going to be on an island. And we saw that a lot, especially in that Heat series. Trey was on an island on defense, and it was hurting them because Kevin Curter wasn't able to really come and help out as much. He's, not, he's athletically gifted, but he's not the best defender either. So I, I like this move a lot. I think it's an active work Sixers because this is going to be a matchup throughout the regular season and potentially in the playoffs that we're going to be like, the revenge we want to as well. So I, I, that's why I really said this is an act of war. So I don't think the, I don't think the Hawks are competing. Like, I think the Hawks are not a better team than the Sixers, even with the I don't think so either. I, think it's, I just think they're trying to make that move. I think they're trying to make a move, but I think there's more so – I don't think it's a war against the Sixers per se. I, mean, I get what you're saying about the fans going back and forth or whatever. That's all well and good. But the fact of the matter is if the Hawks – don't have John Collins. It's a major piece of their team that they were able to exploit other teams with. John Collins, who can play perimeter inside, can play defense. He may not be, you know, a top 10 big in the league, but he's still a serviceable big who can do a lot uh, athletically and offensively. There's rumors that the Hawks are still trying to trade for DeAndre Ayton. Now, that I'm curious to see if that comes to pass. Now, if you put Aiton and Murray and Young, now maybe I'm a little bit more concerned because Capella, Capella is good, great, uh, great rebounder, good defender. But 
he's not going to give you what Aiton can give you on offense. Now, you take a backseat from what Aiton can give you on, you know, with rebounding and defending and things like that. So, eh. But if the name of the game is to put as much pressure on pieces around Trey Young, you have a very capable DeJounte Murray. Let's say for the, for the argument that you have Aiton instead of Collins, I think he, I think Aiton's a better offensive player than John Collins. Now, that team looks exponentially different and better and scarier than the current Hawks do now with just Collins and Murray. Now, Murray is a good defender. You know, great steal numbers. His, his numbers have improved year over year. But now he's the number two option offensively instead of being the primary ball handler because I don't think you take the ball out of Trey Young's hands. I Now, I, I get you might be able to kind of let, let Trey Young play a little bit of off ball, do that little the, the fake Steph Curry thing where he's kind of running around screens and you got to chase him. I understand that, and that brings another dynamic to this offense that Atlanta sometimes gets stagnant. Atlanta sometimes has very stagnant offenses where it's like, okay, here, Trey Young, shoot the ball. And it's like, if he make it, he make it. If he don't, oh, well. And then you you have this, this not such a free-flowing offense. I think if you put a, a second primary ball handler on the floor with Trey Young, because that's not what Herter's game was. That's not what Gallinari's game was. Bogdanovich, whoever, Cam Red, you know, Cam Reddish when he was there, DeAndre Hunter, like whoever you have around him, they're not primary ball handlers. Trey Young is the one and only primary ball handler on that team. So you will get an opportunity to add a secondary guy like, like DeJounte Murray. You take it. You didn't really give up too much. I mean, I need to give up three first-round picks. But if you're Atlanta, you're now in win-now mode because you look around at the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia, eh, Boston's better, Miami's better, but we're, you know, how long can that team compete? Because they're pretty old. You know, Jimmy Butler's north of 30. Kyle Lowry, if he's still there next year, is north of 30. P.J. Tucker was north of 30. He's more than likely going to Philadelphia now. You know, so that team may not be – that team may be on the decline. You know, I, I know they have culture there to save them, but that team is probably on the decline next year. So if Atlanta wants to move into the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference and stay there, a move for DeJounte Murray makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm not – again, I think it was a very good move. I think they could low-key still fleece the Spurs, but we know what the Spurs are doing. The Spurs have uh, – this is not really – this is breaking news, but not breaking news. The Spurs have brought in Brett Brown to be an assistant to uh, – Welcome back! Welcome back! Chris is saying welcome back, but let's be honest. We know what they brought Brett Brown in for. That man is a king of tanking, so you know what they brought him in for. The king um, is back! Jokes aside, though, it's a very good trade. It's a very good trade for the Hawks. It's going to be, you know, as always, a honeymoon period and a, a grace period where they just struggling, but it's a good fit. And then he's on a nice little deal where it's not—he's not getting overpaid right now. Dante Murray's on—they're probably going to have to give him an extension in the next year or two. But he's on a nice—the extension the Spurs gave him was it wasn't relatively a nice constructed deal where the Hawks aren't overpaying for him. They kind of went under the luxury a little bit. Moving John Collins will get them under the luxury a little bit more if they ever do it, if they decide to, which I still think they do. The Hawks are putting together a, a solid team that now, Chris Wright, this is a, it's a win now mode. 
I don't know if it's a mission move, but it's, it's a win now mode where they can't never be a team that's under, I would say, top six in the East now. That's where they have to really be at in this NBA. They can never be an eighth seed or a seventh seed again. They have to really be fighting for top six or higher. I agree, but the, the East is is very loaded. You know, oh, it's disgusting. I hate it's, it. The East is loaded because we talk about a team like Miami who's on the quote decline, like I said. But let's say they go out and get Bradley Bill, who declined his options with come Washington. Slow down. Come on, come on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Because what if what if Bill? Because there's there's two teams that Bill has been three teams that Bill has been linked to that are in the top three of the East: Philadelphia or top four yeah. of the East: Philadelphia, Boston, and Miami. Yeah, too bad Bill will be still in Washington for the 230 million dollar max. But you know. I mean, well, sure. I, you might as well say what you want to say, really. You might as well just get off your chest now. You know what you want to do. No, no, no. How I, how I feel about Bradley Bill, which they did mention on first take, I'm just saying, I've been saying this. All I'm saying is if Bill decides to opt out, and let's say Bill says, all right, I'm tired of being in Washington, losing, stinking, putting up 50, and losing, or I can go somewhere and put up 25, and win a couple games, I might as well do it. A team like Miami is attractive. It might be attractive to him because you can come in and live in Miami. A. B, you are the number one scorer on that team still, and you have Jimmy Butler as a number two with Adebayo as a three. Mm -hmm. And you get out of Washington. Or, Or you can go to Philadelphia. Where you're the top player, top scorer on the perimeter on the team. You have Joel and B, who arguably should have been the MVP the last two years. And you got James Harden. And you got Tyrese Maxey. And you get out of Washington. Or you got the Celtics, where you can go in and be the two guard next to Marcus Smart, have Jason Tatum, have Jalen Brown on a team that just went to the finals and won two games, and you got to watch them. So I think Bradley Bill has as many options. Or you can stay in Washington, have no expectations for the rest of your career, and get paid $250 million. And that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to take that. He's going to enjoy I think, it. I think either way, Bradley Bill has won this offseason. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... It doesn't matter what he He can stay in Washington and have no pressure, no expectations, no nothing, be in Washington and make $250 million, or he can go on a team that can compete right now for a title. No, no, he's won. He's won this. Um, Again, we're saying he's won the trade deal the offseason as just like the fact he's going to, he's probably going to be the highest paid this offseason. It's over, ladies and gentlemen. It's over. But he will be. Unless he leaves, then it won't be the highest paid because, you know, Zach Levine gets his little super extension from the Bulls. But if he stays with the Wizards, which I believe he is, the Wizards just made a trade that Bradley Bill's loyal, which you can respect from any any man. But he's also the, the guy that he also came out and said on the Taylor Rooks podcast that he wants to see what the Wizards are going to do to help make them winners. Well, in his eyes, Chris and I might see things differently than him. A lot of the world might see things differently, but in his eyes, he believes a team constructed around himself, Danny Abdiji, Christos Porzingis, Will Barton, Monte Morris, Kyle Kuzma. Seven uh, seed. 
Rui Hachimura. Seven seed. They're win. They're winning team. And Chris is saying seven seed, but let's be honest. They seven. are a play in destination because that's, injuries. That's seven. a seven. That's a seven seed. Play no, 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 no. I'm saying play in as a ninth, tenth, play in to get into the nah. play in seven seed. Here, here's here's my here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right. I I I rag on Washington. I talk about how Bill's a loser, and I I stand He's by. He's a hater. He's a hater. How, how am I a hater? He's a Bill hater because Bill Bill's how a good hater. Tell what has Bradley Bill won? Well, we didn't say we didn't talk about his his win shares, but we talk about him as a player. He's a Derek, you call him a loser. He's a loser. He's a loser. What has he won? He's been in some playoff series. He's won some playoff games. He's been there. What playoff series has he won in the last? What's the last time he won a playoff series? Ten years ago, seventeen, I think they won him, Wall, and Paul Pierce. Was the last that time was won five years ago. You just asked me a question. What was the last time he won? Like, he won. <laughs> he's never known what the playoffs Five years ago. Listen, man, you, you hate on Bill a little too hard. Like, that man's not a credible. Not, whoa, whoa, I'm not hating on Bill enough. <laughs> I don't feel enough. I feel like I'm, I'm giving him a pass. He hasn't done anything in five years. That team has stunk. For five years. Now I, get it. now, I get it. John Wall's knees were made of glass, and they shipped them out, and they brought in Porzingis, who's also made of glass. Like, I get it. But come on now. Come on. How long are we going to? How made the playoffs of Russ just like two years ago. Excuse me? They made the playoffs of Russell Westbrook like two years ago. John Wall, and, I mean, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Bill made the playoffs. Yeah, and they got bounced by the Sixers. We, we're not talking about that, though. They made the playoffs. That was a they got bounced. made the playoffs. When's the last time someone said, mm, I really fear this Washington team in the playoffs? I don't think any tell you when. Said I can ever. tell you when. When they had Gilbert Arenas. That's that I'm about to say that might be it, it barely, let's be honest, barely then too. When they was playing the Clavs every year in a four-five matchup. That's the last time anyone ever talked about Washington, the Washington Wizards on a national scale. Well, Barry feels like he'll. In the five years that he'll sign this 250, I think it'll be 230, but $250 million deal. The Washington Washington Wizards will be on national television exactly two times in the next five years. Can't wait to see Bradley Bill show up then. Yeah, because the opt-out we saw coming, like $37 million guaranteed to the now close to 40-something million he'll make a year guaranteed. Well, we saw that coming. The opt-out was there. Again... I, you talked about what the the Hawks doing or the Heat could potentially probably build. It would have been a nice, it would have been a nice lip service. You know, it sounds good. The Godfather nice. would, would talk to him, spice him up, but it was never going to happen. He's not leaving. He got roots there. He's giving out his inspirational speeches to his AAU team, talking about some. You got to guard me. You doing to win games, and then man, the irony of that. But I, I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to say it. Some one of them little kids should have been like, "Excuse me, sir." What have you won exactly? <laughs> the irony of that, where he's like, "Stop worrying about your stats." The irony of that, it's, it's like, yeah. I, I know Mister Sixty Points in a loss is not talking. The the walking conundrum there, it's like it's a hyperbole inside of hyperbole. But that's Bradley Bill. We we see like I feel like his free agency situation isn't as dire as a stressor to me. Chris is right when he's won because when you make two hundred fifty million, you win it. You win him. You no win matter, him. Uh, so, don't matter if you're losing. Call you're, me whatever you want for two hundred fifty million dollars. It don't you, matter if you live in DC. Like you, you, don't, you, you own houses everywhere. Like you, you, you win it. Like, I'll go to if I want to go to Miami so bad. 
I'll just go for the weekend. I'll go for the off season. Like it he, he already matter. owns a house there. That's the crazy. He already owns a house. It there. don't matter. Like, I'm going. Again, other than Bill, one of them I think Chris is going to bring it up. Most notable opt outs, most important opt outs, and opt ins. Kyrie Irving opted into the Nets. By the way, just want the world to know this. You know. Yes. All all rides for third eye Kai. Yeesh, something like that. You know. That guy can't pick a struggle, but he can sure find some. Listen, great lesson. When he on the court, most talented the athlete you've ever seen. Most yeah. talented player, probably like you could argue, like he he's like one of the greatest ever as far as talents go. Like can score when he wants to, he can, can defend, he can dribble, he can pass, he can do everything you ask him to do in a 6'2, 210 pound frame. However, between his ears, I don't know what he's thinking. Murky. And, I think, and I think that's one of his, like, it's it's a strength because you don't know what he's thinking. But it's also a weakness because everyone around him does not know what he's thinking. It's, he uh, likes it that way. And I, I, I have to respect it. I have to, be, I have to respect someone who's so deep in their bag that they don't care what anybody got to say. Anybody. Chris not said. even your boss. Chris said in their bag, but let's be honest. It's not in their bag. It's it's up their butt. But wow. All right. I love Kyrie the basketball And I'm the hater. That's not I love Kyrie's basketball player, but it's just too Kyrie's willing. This is this is where I'm I'm just lost. And I think we talked about it. Kyrie's willing to give up the $36 million to opt out He's and then sign six million with the Lakers because he wanted to be petty because the net were asking him to opt in to showcase loyalty and that he was willing to commit for a full basketball year. And then they'll offer him a contract extension probably towards the end of next season. Like, they, like they, the way he treated that was as if they, he, they asked him, yo, bro, cut off your right arm and sell it to us for parts because we think you're not worthy. They didn't say he wasn't worthy of the match. They're saying, bro, we just want to get we want a full year of you. Because Kyrie's never played a full season with the Nets, Chris. That's nope. all they were asking for. So I'm just like, that's, that's all. they only asked for a little give and take. And right now he was just like, no, no, I want, I want, I want. They, so they, like, they like, listen, we need you to come to work and show up because we're paying you. And Kyrie's like, I, I don't really know about like, Do you not know who I am? I'm the one of eight vice president of the NBA Player Association. I will create my own league. Like, again, I just... He's a joke a little bit for me because I'm just like, Kyrie can do what he wants. He's going that talent of a player where he, where he can go anywhere. The market was small for him because nobody really wanted to trade for Kyrie, knowing his mindset and the structure of how he conducts himself. He's his own agent, but Kevin Durant was going to leave the Nets. Kyrie was going to leave the Nets. That Nets team would have been blown up because of this whole mishap of he just didn't want to. He's still not, and I think it really just comes to the fact that he's still not fully committed to basketball 100%. He has all these other ventures that he really believes in, projects. He wants his ring, and it's kind of like the drive's not there as much as it used to be. The same, I think, has be said a little bit for Kevin Durant. They're not as hungry as they once were. And when you're not that hungry anymore, when you're not really starving, like James Harden is starving for a ring, who opted out of his deal to help the Sixers, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes, but James Harden is hungry. Joel Embiid is hungry. You can tell, you can see that starvation. And Giannis was very, Giannis stayed hungry, but Giannis was hungry. The starving desire to do whatever it took to win, you'll sign whatever deals to help your team get over the hump, to help bring in a Drew Holiday, LeBron and Wade take pay cuts to bring, give Chris Bosh more money to make sure Chris Anderson got paid. Stuff with Shane Battier, Ray Allen was able to come in. Like 
those guys were really, really hungry. Right now, Kyrie's not as hungry as these guys. And it's, it's not his fault. Again, players are different. Mindset is different. Like Chris said, it's just it's the fact that I'm, I just thought it was so laughable that Chris, we're going into the CBA soon. Contract negotiations between owners and players and the players, it's going to come soon. And if that had occurred, that would have been the nail in the coffin. That lockout would have happened. Owners would have been not only piffed off, perturbed, furious. It would have been everything. Like everything under the sun would have been coming up. The Ben Simmons situation, the Harden, the Zion not playing, but he's probably going to get this max extension, maybe even ask for trade soon. The Kyrie of it all. Like all this would have just surfaced mm-hmm. to the bubble during that CBA. And when we're talking about a lockout, this lockout would have been crazy. It might even be worse than the lockout that had previously happened in, what, 2010, was it? No, what was the last lockout, 2012? 2011. 2011, thank you. That, it would have been, I think, longer than that because it would have been a whole lot of things that was going to change, not only for the players, but also for the owners. They would have probably added a lot more things into the contract talks and everything because this, it would have just been out of hand mm-hmm. if Kyrie had decided, okay, I'm opting out of $36.5 million to sign a $6 million middle-level exemption with the Lakers to go re- reunite with LeBron Play with Russell. Westbrook. I mean, what can they say? What really could they have said? Anybody? Who, 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 who could have said? Oh no, 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 no! They could have said anything, but when the CBA comes, they can say whatever they want because now they got to re- renegotiate yeah. terms. Well, that's, that's what they got to do. But they, it didn't happen. Kyrie's committed to KD. Ben Simmons will potentially be there. You know, Chris is a uh, six foot ten superstar. Six foot player. ten, scared Australian alleged point guard. Uh, yeah, point center, whatever he is now. But whatever. It, I love the the Nets drama because we don't know how it's going to trickle into the season. And as the Nets downfall occurs, it kind of elevates the Harden trade. Yes. Let me put that out there. It kind of elevates the trade tour. I think we won the trade. Some somebody hosts the show one time and they transitions get so much better. I love you it. Know, I be trying sometimes, you know, you know. But the, the the Harden of it all, Harden opted out. Chris, a $47.7 million, so $48 million. He opted out mm-hmm. to now a He a better man than me. That's all I'm saying. Oh, he a better man than me. Because Russell Rich. Westbrook said, give me that money. I would have gone to church if I did hard after I, after I opted out of $47.7 million. This is $48 million. I had to go to church. I took a bath, a soap. I had done something. Because, wow, that's a lot of money. But he did that to help the team. He stood by what he said in the press conference that he would do whatever it took to help the Sixers. The Sixers now have 10 and a half million in the middle level exemption. Now that Harden's opted out, he's going to get himself a new deal, which will probably be Chris. I'm going to say three years around 150, which still puts him at around like 36 and a half million dollars. He makes a year, which is it's a little bit of paper, but it's not that bad. It's still a lot more than most players make, but that also gives us not only the middle of exemption, but we'll also get, the I believe DRA or another bilateral contract that we can do, which is going to be around four and a half million to use on another player. So that gives us a chance to bring in two players, including PJ Tucker, if we need, if, which is already sounding like a done so deal. How, so how about this? Because I think this is another part of the plan that I think people are are, are I haven't seen enough people talking about. What is the likelihood they actually keep Tobias Harris? It's very likely. I'm going to be honest with you. Because we talked about how there's no real traction about a Tobias Harris trade. We heard, we've heard Matisse Thibel. We've heard Furcon. We have not heard Tobias Harris. Yeah, it's very likely we keep Tobias. I've been so, seeing... now, so now if Harden takes the 
you know, Harden takes less money. I, I the biased contract looks terrible. It's going to look well, terrible. He'll be the highest paid Sixer player. The highest paid player on the Sixers. Yeah, he's the highest paid player. He'll, he'll be the he'll be the highest paid with thirty eight million, thirty nine million. He'll be the highest paid Sixer. Player. And Elton Brand has to eat that forever, forever. <sighs> we don't talk about it enough, but you, let's be honest. Elton Brand got demoted. In, in, in yes! twenty twenty, he got the yes, which he should have been. Like I'm, right. he's no. still he's still GM and in, in title, but he got the most. Here's the thing about Elton Brand. Elton Brand made the moves, but he made the moves as far as it's it's now. We'll worry about later, later, and now later's here, and it, it, it's like you know, it ain't looking too good. So going <laughs> get up right. You saw Brian Windhorst talking about the Sixers had a mark. There's, a, there's been some trade rumors about Tobias Harris. So, several Sixers analysts now, Keith Pompey, Kyle Newbeck, um, also Paul Hundred, both Kyle Newbeck and Paul Hundred write for the Liberty Bars and their uh, Sixers reporters, straight Sixers reporters. They've basically written out that it's looking like Tobias will be on the market, yes, but he is very likely to return next season. He's happy with the Sixers. The Sixers happy with him. It is because he's embraced this new role. Chris and I talked about, oh, I've been, I've really stressed it, but Chris and I have been talking about, Tyson Nat Harris is a stretch forward that didn't want to admit that he was a stretch forward for the past two seasons with us. We got James Harden. He embraced his role as a 3 and D stretch forward, and it worked. But here's, here's, here's my thing. Here's my thing now. We are assuming that we get P, the Sixers get P.J. Tucker. Um, I think that's locked in. It's okay. So the Sixers get P.J. Tucker. Inclusion, because it isn't against the rules to be announcing these type of... I don't, no, I don't think anyone announced it. No one, from, no one from the Sixers announced it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, but still, the fact that we've known for the past, like, what, week, that's going to be a three-year, $30 million deal? Spec- I think it's, like, speculative. But here's the thing. Six o'clock, but still. Here's the thing. P.J. Tucker ain't playing the three. I can't. P.J. Tucker's playing the four. Yeah. So, P.J. Tucker's playing the four. Tobias gets to play the three. Mm. And I think that Tobias is more comfortable at the three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You don't think Tobias is more comfortable with the three? I get he, he can't guard. I mean, oh, he's a better defender now, but who's it? Who was he guarding Ugh. before, Jared? Fours. He was guarding fours. He's getting cooked. Nah, he was giving Siakam work, guarding up OG and Anobi. He was playing John Collins well. He was getting cooked. He was He was getting cooked. He was holding them dudes like twenty. Jared, he's getting cooked. Come on, Jared. I'm Ooh. telling you. I'm the biggest Tobias defender there is. You are. It's, 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 it's egregious. He was getting. He got better towards the end of the season with Harden's game. I'm not saying that, but Jared, he's a better three than he is a four. But he can't really guard. I mean, he can guard threes now. I think I see his defense, but he's not really. We need you to score. But he's not even. A, he can't even be a score with the ball in his hand anymore. He, has he can to be, be a three in the wing. That's, that's it. about it. That's about it for him now. If that's he plays a three, that's cool. Because Peter Tucker will come out here and shoot his two air balls from the corner, and get <laughs> get his tech, and then they're gonna bring Matisse in. I still need to go get Pat Bev. All right, I'm I'm still I still need to go get Pat Bev. You gotta wait. You gonna have to wait go. on that one. <laughs> I'm not gonna let this go. Look, I, I they mean, might as well go ahead and rebuild the whole the whole roster, the whole Rockets roster with and and beat Maxi. And Tobias, and let, let's go. Let's let's rock. You got James Harden, Maxi, Tobias, PJ, and B. That's not bad. 
P.J. Tucker, what? When Harden, I think these are stats that I looked up earlier before the show. I don't want to hear those stats from three years ago. No, no, it was literally this season. When Harden okay. arrived to the Sixers, Tobias Harris went from shooting 34.5% from the three to 40%. He went from what? He shot three and a half attempts for three points to five a game when Harden got there. Again, the three and D effect of Harden passing. Yeah. I like that, though. If you sure. tell me Tobias at the three spot is just going to be doing the same thing, yeah. Transition offense, which is what he's really good at as a transition offense. Yeah, he plays well transition. Catch and shoot. Cool. He could be at the three because Peter Tucker is going to be guarding the best or second best player anyway. I'm right. not upset with that. It's just, oh, man. We saw what happened when Tobias was at the three when we were with Ben Simmons, and it did, it did not look good. Mm-hmm. But then again, Ben Simmons was clunky on the court as was with two other tall players as Embiid and Tobias. But Tobias at the three loved to do his little post-ups at the wing which caused a clog because Embiid's the only player that should be posting up on the right. And a little bit of late-breaking news here is being reported now that the Sixers and the Rockets are now in deep discussions around Eric Gordon. Oh, no. So. Yeah, that's been the same conversation. As with the, Maury wants to bring back this Rockets roster. Hey, ain't not, listen. Yeah, there's a lot wrong. They did not win. They did not win, but they also did not have Joel Embiid. Because I'm looking at it, whereas you're seeing what well, Eddie House might be a player. Daniel House. Win. Daniel House, thank you. I'm sorry. The notorious bubble popper, Daniel House. Daniel House. You have, I would rather, much rather, if you use the middle, because I'm, I'm t- I really believe Peter Tucker's locked in. So Peter Tucker's locked in, and they're not even going to use the middle exception, I think, on him. If, so if they do, they still have it because Harden's going to take a pay cut. You're bringing Otto Porter. With that ten and a half million, I would, I would like that. That's a nice move. You bring out a point with that ten and a half million. You could bring in a Victor Oladipo if you really want to, which I'm not the biggest. I'm not against it, but I wouldn't. I would rather you bring. Know, in a, I'd, I'd, I'd get. I would pick up the Victor Oladipo from the airport tomorrow. He's I'm not better against than anybody it. else on that bench. I would bring in T.J. Warren from the Pacers. We saw what T.J. Warren did during his bubble time. He can really, really just uh-huh. pause. Pause. I don't want to hear anything about TJ Warren in this damn bubble, okay? T. Warren was he's playing like he was playing out his mind. Yeah, so was every so was a bunch of bums was playing out of their mind in the bubble. That's because uh the bubble was some of the best basketball we see. Just no, it wasn't. Moves, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Some of the worst fraudulent ball I've ever seen in my life. Fraudulent activity in the bubble. But, Jared, I know we talked about Harden declining his option and what it means for the Sixers. But, Jared, we got to talk about someone who picked up their option in the Lakers. That's your boy, Mr. $47 million himself, Russell Westbrook. He earned that money before yes, he did. Trash. Yes, he did. The energy is there night in and night out. He's, he's a consistent effort guy, high motor, very athletic still. Um Um, find a hard time not to say any slander, aren't you? Uh, oh. <laughs> find, find a hard time to say nice things about uh, something, uh, aren't you? Uh, darn shame. Facilitator, you know, push the ball where it needs to be most of the time. Uh, uh tries on defense. Um, can dance. Um. It looks good in yellow, so I think I think there's there's definitely um some pieces there. 
I think Russ, they'll figure it out. Again, Russ might be on the trade block still. He might get traded by the deadline, to be honest. Um, How much you think the Lakers going to pay him to trade him? Uh, yeah, 40. Man, it's possible. 40. There's a team now that could potentially trade for him, not name the Knicks or anybody that nobody really like talks about because they just previously just made a trade earlier this week. That's the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs could potentially trade for Russ Westbrook now. They have the cap space to do it. If the Lakers wanted pieces like what Alani Walker, Danilo Garinari, and uh, what a Yakapoto or something like that, they could put that package together, the Spurs, and give it to Lakers for Russ. If they were so high pressed on moving off of Russ and they didn't have faith in him mm-hmm. being a very, an, at least an all star player and playing next to LeBron and AD. But I think Drew Hanley is coming in. He set the ground, he put the groundwork down. He kind of laid it down and said, Yo, Russ, this is what I really need from you. I want you to play defense. I want you to come in. I want you to be a facilitator. And I want you to know that it's got to, we want your effort with the high active effort. You can't give me no lazy streaks or stuff like that, but we want your effort, your energy, because if you want to be on the court, especially in the closing games, it's got to be less turnovers. It's got to be you really gelling and fitting in with the system. And so far, it seems that Russ has been open and honest with Drew Hannon. It's open ears. He wants to stay with the Lakers because, again, it's his home. He loves it, whatever. But it's, it's going to be a, a very hard time for, I think, Russ to get back a little bit because he did kind of throw AD and LeBron in the bus a little bit, in my opinion, with his comments. The Frank Vogel stuff, I think, was fair. Frank Vogel had a rough time coaching last season. And I, I kind of saw it the season before as well. He was just having a rough time coaching after the bubble. So when Chris said the bubble was skewed, maybe. I just think it was eat, sleep, breathe basketball. You had to do what you had to do if you wanted to win. You know, prison rules. I loved it. But – um. Russell Westbrook, I think he's gonna get his money now. It makes it even harder for him to trade him because, well, let's be honest, if you can't trade Tobias on thirty-eight million, it ain't. You couldn't trade John Wall on forty-six million. There's no way you trade Russell on forty-seven. He's gonna collect all that money. No buyout is gonna occur. Why would he take less? He lives in L.A. That's expensive. That's an expensive state to live in, or expensive city to live in. Um, my real factor is how, how like, where do do we see the Lakers? Really competing for a championship this season? I mean, when I, mean, I say really if, competing, if, like if you have LeBron James on your roster, you have to compete for a title. You have to compete, but I'm just like, are they going to be higher than a fifth seed? No. So I'm not really all in on the fact that free agency for them is going to be the same as last. It's going to be struggle piece. I think they might lose Carmelo. I think they're going to pay the middle level exception to Malik Monk, which they should. Because Malik Monk was mm. stellar for them last season. Mm. I kind of sort of like who they drafted because they kind of they made they made a trade to get that draft pick i like that i like that they bring it back stanley johnson i think they need to fight for a big i don't know how they're going to do it i heard they've rumors that in free they're going to try and talk to mo bamba they're going to be trying to see the miles turner market see what they can try and but they they andy davis has now maybe he's touched the basketball but before he admitted that he hasn't touched the basketball and he doesn't like playing the center position which again is kind of hindering on him where he they they use him at the center position when it comes to small ball in the end of the games but mm-hmm. the fact that he doesn't like playing that position kind of hurts them more because if you're really the lakers at this point with russell westbrook on the court and lebron you'd rather much have a stretch four a power forward at your four spot than have ad play the four spot with another big mm-hmm. because you just need all this shooting around lebron and russ right in 80s mindset of i don't want to play the center position maybe because it takes too much uh, energy out of him to drain him when it comes to him trying to be an offensive player and a defender, I, I, which I understand, grab rebounds, I wish I understand. It just kind of hinders the Lakers as well from attaining what 
you and I are talking about just being a team that can be a top five team in the West. Because mm-hmm. it just it just puts so much strain on roster construction. So I don't know. I don't know what the Lakers are really doing. Uh, I heard they, Blake they, Griffin's in the mix. They just vibing. They just vibing. They, they live just, in they just there, you know, chilling. Yeah, I heard Blake Griffin's in the mix. You know, who doesn't Whatever. love Blake Griffin? Whatever. Surprised? I'm surprised Doc ain't trying to go get Blake Griffin. Oh, please don't. Don't you once you, you know not now that you said in the air, you know it's a possibility. I saw t- I saw something where it's like, yeah, Isaiah Joe deserves more minutes. And there's like a Doc Rivers like burner account on Twitter. It's about to be over my dead body. Yeah, Doc doesn't like playing young guys. This is yep. so fortunate because Isaiah, Isaiah Joe. Joe. I, I'm not a big Isaiah Joe fan anyway, though. He's like I like, I, I like Isaiah Joe. He's like Shake Milton to me. And we got Shake Milton's replacement. You weren't here when we were talked about it. Or we it happened during the draft, but yeah, since you brought in De'Anthony Mullen, that's Shake Mullen 2.0. They're the same age. Shout out the Borber for calling that one. Yeah, same player, basically. Like, they literally have the same player in my eyes. Yeah, well. He's got the better version now. Shake might get cut or traded soon. I don't think he's going to get cut. He might get traded. Yeah, him, he's only making ship, a million. Ship him and Ferk out for... I'll take a second-round pick. Parts. <laughs> Man, you can get a first. <laughs> you cannot. You cannot get a first. Who's a team that could use a guard? Nobody. Not a shake. No, it could shake. a guard. I don't even know what he is. He's a guard. Shake's a guard. Yeah, he's something, all right. He's a guard. All right. Well, thank y'all for listening to another episode of Straight to the Point. If you like what you hear, tell a friend to tell a friend to tune in. Make sure you follow Straight to the Point on all your favorite socials. That's at STTP Podcast. Make sure you follow me at underscore Chris Cross. Make sure you follow me at underscore Jada Hughes. The NBA free agency starts at 6 p.m. today. It's going to be great, something exciting and great for me because, you know, I just get to see who gets signed where. But I'm excited for the free agency. Shout, out to, all to the, shout out to all the tampering allegations that's going to be the slander. Oh, yes. Shout out to the Sixers getting a fine for bringing P.J. Tucker three to four days before uh, he I saw P.J. Tucker on South Street yesterday. He was at the, at the sneaker store. <laughs> Already heard he's uh, buying properties, you know, for a sneaker store that he's going to be potentially building in Philadelphia. So. Yep, can't wait. Can't <laughs> wait. All right. Uh, shout out to, to our co-host last week, Emily76 and Kevin Borba for filling in. And I know, you know, it takes two people to kind of do the job that one does. I appreciate you guys filling in while I was going. Um, yeah, while he was on vacation? I was not on vacation. While he was uh, building his sex mansion in uh, Malibu? What the hell? I'm just saying. I'm just saying what you was doing. It's not, I was not doing I was working, bro. I'm, I was I'm, working. I'm, I'm not going to tell. The people need to know what you're doing at your free time. I was, you're on vacation like I was working. I was working. That's exactly what Stephen A. says when he's on vacation. All right. Well, I was work. I was working. Okay. If I was making $10 million, I'd tell you yes, I was on vacation. But I wasn't. I was actually working. I hear what you're saying. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Make sure you follow at underscore JW Hughes for all your uh, slanderous needs, lies, fallacies, and uh, tall tales and stories. Tall tales and stories. And here, here's a here's a, a non-lie. James Harden is going to come to the Sixers in the best shape of his career. Can't wait. Book it. Can't wait. <laughs>